Garden Success is brought to you in part by the Arbor Gate, featuring unusual plants, artisan-created decorative pieces, and a constantly changing array of items that bring beauty, comfort, and even flavor to the home and garden. Arbor Gate, 15635 FM 2920, Tomball, Texas, 281-351-8851 or arborgate.com. Garden Success is also brought to you by the Farm Patch, 3519 South College Avenue in Bryan, 979-822-7209. Welcome to Garden Success with Skip Richter the show designed to help you have a bountiful garden and a beautiful landscape. Call in now with your lawn and garden questions at 979-845-5689 or email your questions to gardensuccess at tamu.edu. And now, Texas A&M AgriLife Extension horticulturist, Skip Richter. Well, hello and welcome to Garden Success. We are looking forward today, as always, to talking to you about what's going on in your garden. This show is a call-in show, so we hope that you'll call in and ask whatever questions are on your mind. Don't be shy. We don't bite. And I hope that uh, you realize, too, that when you have a question, someone else does. There are no stupid questions, only stupid answers, and I'll take care of that second part. At least I'll try. <laughs> well, seriously, though, give us a call. Let's, uh, let's talk about things gardening. It couldn't be a better time of year for a gardener. If, if you have no interest in getting outside and planting now, I, I, don't, th I don't think we can help you. I, I, I mean, this is just, it's spring, uh, you know, everything's coming up green. And so uh, I would say if you got a pulse, there's got to be at least a desire to put in a, oh, I don't know, a, f a pot with flowers on the patio maybe or something like that. Or maybe go down and grab a houseplant. That, those are still popular. You know, COVID really uh, was the best thing that ever happened to the houseplant market. Uh, and it, it still is going going well. People are really into to that kind of thing. So why don't you consider that? If you haven't tried other kinds of gardening, we can also talk about houseplant issues. You can call me at 845-5689, 845-5689 here at the KAMU studio, or you can email at gardensuccess at tamu.edu and with email you can send photos so we can identify and we have quite a few emails to get through today. Uh, the photos are good for identifying and diagnosing things but a photo diagnosis is only going to be as good as the photo. In other words a good crisp sharp photo if you will attach it rather than embed it into the text. So use the little paper clip icon and attach it. That way uh, it's easier for me to quickly get to it while I'm also trying to talk at the same time. Well, let's go to the phones and talk to Jackson. Hello, Jackson. Oh, hi, well, Skip. I appreciate you talking to me. Yes, sir. So uh, my question is uh, about weed control. Well, I sent an email two or three weeks ago, but I was unable to, to uh, listen to your show until uh, now. Okay. But, uh, but basically, it's weed control, and I've got uh, uh, some situations where I've got areas for uh, plants, like I've got a, a two or three feet diameter diameter area where I've got like maybe one uh, plant or one bush or something like that, uh, or, or, some, or a bigger area with uh, 
I was spaced out small bushes or something like that, but I get a lot of weeds growing uh, between the between the bushes or a lot of weeds growing around the around the uh, the little small trees or plants in these separate flower gardens. Mm-hmm. And so I've got a lot of weeds. You know, I'm fighting the weeds constantly, and uh, was looking for some other alternative ideas. On I see other people put in uh, gravel in there, and I understand people put in plastic underneath the gravel or put in a, a some sort of a material, a non-plastic material underneath there. Yeah. I don't know which is better. <clears throat> I don't know which is better, and I don't know what you recommend. But I want something to fight the, to basically to eliminate my maintenance on those uh, weeds. Okay. Okay. Well, um, so. I wouldn't recommend plastic, and I don't recommend the ground cover fabrics either. They they work for a while, but in, then in time, as the mulch on top of them decomposes and other things, you end up with weeds on top of them, and the weed roots kind of grow into the fabric, depending on what kind of fabric you put down, or the fabric tears or something. Uh, so I, I think there's the best thing you can do is to keep uh, the soil surface mulched uh, to a depth so as not to let any light hit the soil surface uh, all the time. Now there's different kinds of weeds. Uh, that What I just said applies for weed seeds. Uh, a weed seed has got to have light and moisture to germinate and so when we smother them with a mulch, I, I shouldn't use the word smother, uh, that's like we're excluding oxygen, but actually we're excluding light with a mulch, then they can't germinate successfully establishing a plant. If it's a weed like nutsedge or Bermuda grass, <clears throat> then the mulch is not going to help. They'll just pop right through it. In fact, most of the landscape fabrics don't work on, on nutsedge very well. Uh, so those would require you getting in there with a wiper type applicator and applying a product that kills the weed. And the reason we use a wiper is so that if you spray and it drifts onto your desirable plants, you can kill them too. Uh, so with a wiper, you can just apply it right to the weed. But that's only for those weeds that are perennial and just so invasive we can't control them with mulch. Okay, okay what do you, uh, what, what, you see, an applicator. Yes. I assume that you buy, you buy some sort of a, a, a particular product to use the wiper on to, to spread the, uh, the yes. liquid or salt or whatever. What, 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 what is the product? Good, good point, Jackson. Good question. Uh, do, do you, offhand, do you know what weeds you have? Do you have Bermuda grass or do you have nutsedge or, or is it just other things? You know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure. Okay, that's I fine. I've got, I think I've got several, I think I've got several, several different types of problems. Or yeah. Well, that wouldn't that wouldn't be unusual. Sometimes my gardens are like the history of weeds. I mean, if if you want to have a weed class, you can come out <laughs> before I get things under control and and identify a hundred of them. Uh, so I, I would uh, I I hate to go out with with a product if you don't know you need it. And so wh let me suggest something first. Um, First of all, you can take pictures of weeds and send them to me, and I can look at them and, and give a better, more specific answer. Uh, or you could just go out with about four to six sheets of newspaper that thick and lay it down, spray it with a hose sprayer to make it stick, and then throw mulch on top of that. And you lay the newspaper through the whole bed. It goes pretty fast. As you, you know, Don't mess with the little tiny pieces of paper. Just get the big sections. And as you overlap them and lay them and wet them, they form uh, just a, a 
shield over the over the surface and then you throw your mulch on top of it so you don't see the paper and that will take care of almost everything you're going to have a problem with. Uh, if you have nuts edge, you'll know it after a while. It'll start popping through and Bermuda grass will crawl around looking for light and find a hole in the paper and come through that. And so if we, if we know you have the Bermuda, there are grass only weed killers that contain products like uh, Sethoxidem. And I know that's a, a lot to you know try to write down all the specifics, but if you'll email me, I can send you a list of some of the options that are out there. If you've got a, if it's not a grass, uh, if it's nut sedge, there are some nut, there are some products that work better on sedges. That would be a different product. And then there are some products like um, glyphosate, which is the, the brand that everybody has heard of is Roundup. There are lots of other brands of it. Uh, but that kills grass and broadleaf weeds and your desirable plants if you get it on them. And for the wipers, like if you had nutsedge, you can create your own wiper using those little grabber tools um, where you, you, uh, you know, get a jar off a shelf. You just put, put sponges, attach sponges to that, and you can reach down and squeeze it right up underneath a rose bush or anything and not get anything on your bush. There are uh, some um, uh, wiper applicators that you can purchase in some stores and online. They're not really common in the home garden trade, but there's some form of a rope or a sponge or something that gets wet with the product that you put into the applicator and then it you just wipe it on on the weed. Okay. That was a, I know that I went in a lot of places with that answer, but I would I would start if it were mine I, and I didn't know what the weeds were, I'd start with the the paper and mulch or I would um uh, take some pictures and let me identify the weeds because then I can actually send you the names of different things depending on the weeds you have. Okay, and your email is Garden Success. No, what, what? Uh, Garden Success at tamu.edu. And I tell you what, another thing you can do, and this is even better than a photo. Uh, I'm at the county extension office during the week, and so if you want to bring some weeds in a bag, buy, uh, take a piece of, of you know masking tape or tape and and maybe put a number one on one weed and number two on another weed and and just leave them there in a ziploc bag and i'll come identify them and then i can tell you okay number one is this number two is that and here's what you do that that would be the best because that way if you don't catch me at the office that you can you can still get a quick answer all right jackson and our our office is over by the tax office uh, the the Brazos County Tax Office. Okay. Thanks very much. Yes, sir. Thank you for the call. Let's go back to the phones now and talk to Julie. Hello, Julie. Uh, Julie, are you there? I think we'll get her in just a moment here. Uh, while we're waiting, got a couple of folks that are on hold, so let's uh, wait. All right, let's try Julie again. Hey, Julie. Hello. Hi, how can we help? Well, I'm, actually, I have no question. I just wanted to let you know, in my little garden, I had 17 um, monarch caterpillars. Wow. And, yeah, it was so amazing because my duckweed has come up, 
and um, they were just all over it. Now they're all over a few other plants. But at any rate, I was so excited, I thought I'd let you all know. Okay. The caterpillars and the uh, monarchs are around and alive. Well, that's wonderful. And you better have a lot of milkweed if you've got that many monarchs, because they get kind of hungry. Well, <laughs> well, I know, I know. And that's the thing is that, you know, because of winter and all, they've gone down to basically the ground of like an inch or two up. Mm-hmm. But they're just all over this one that's uh, still small. Um, actually, this morning when I went out there, they were all over something else, too, which okay. I don't think they're getting any nourishment from it. Mm-hmm. But, um, uh, yeah, I don't even know what the plants they grew up. But it was just so exciting to see them back. Well, good. So, Thanks for yeah. that report. I know a lot of people get excited about seeing some of the more beautiful butterflies, their larvae crawling around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I don't get the swallow and all of that so much. I just mostly get the monarchs, but it's exciting to see them come out of their, pop out of their crystal. It is. It is, fly off. It, it yeah. is amazing. It is amazing. Yeah. I, yeah. It still fascinates me, even though I've, you know, since childhood have known about it happening, but that a caterpillar uh-huh. can go into a, a self-created box, turn into soup, and come out a butterfly. That's just... Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> it really is. All right. Well, yeah. Julie, thank you for okay. c- for calling. I oh. appreciate that. Oh, you're more than welcome. Have a good day. You too. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Let's go back to the phones now and talk to John. Hello, John. Good morning. On Kennebec or Russet, either one, potatoes, when they flower, is, is that the indication that they're ready to dig? No, no. It's probably about the time that you're going to have some potatoes going down there that you could steal a few, you know, if you want to steal some early potatoes before you really dig the plant. Uh, you could find a big one to pull one off and, and get eating before the official harvest time. But uh, it, let let the vines stay as long as they can because until they start to really die back, whether it's foliage diseases or what, or heat or whatever, the uh, potatoes are still developing underground. Oh, okay. Well, that, I just I didn't want to wait too long, but, but uh, I, I, I may try a few early then. But yeah. I, I'll, I'll wait until they go down. I can't resist peeking. <laughs> <laughs> I got to know. <laughs> All right. Was okay. that well? That, that was my question. Thank you, Skip. Yes, sir. Thank you for the call. All right, our phone number is eight four five five six eight nine eight four five fifty six eighty nine, or by email at gardensuccess at tamu dot edu. Uh, let's see. We had an email from Glenn about a vine that's coming up, and it just comes straight out of the ground like a like a pencil. In fact, about as stiff as a pencil, too. Uh, the, these vines are, have leaves that are slick. They have thorns on them, and um, they can go pretty high in the, in the air, actually. Uh, that The stiffness of the vine allows it to reach up and grab onto something uh, where it can just really take over the canopy. I've seen them cover trees. And the the question is, what's the idea? And the idea of it is Smilax, Smilax, S-M-I-L-A-X, or Greenbrier. Uh, some people call it like a devil's shoestring, and I'm sure there's some variations on it. But it is a it has an underground tuber or an underground storage organ, at least that it is impossible just to chop it off and win the battle. It just sends up more. Uh, and and as they get larger, I once had a farm. 
uh, over in the Montgomery County area, and we uh, had bulldozed some areas, and I saw some sections of Smilax tuber that was as big as my leg uh, coming out of there. Uh, which is just amazing, uh, which also tells you what you're up against. There are some things you can put on the vine to treat and go down into the to the uh, storage area and damage it a lot. I don't know that one treatment is going to eradicate it, uh, but those would be products that contain uh, triclopyr, T-R-I-C-L-O, P-Y-R, Triclopyr, and there are a lot of different brands. There's a rancher brand for brush control, and there's the home garden brand that may say poison ivy, poison oak killer, uh, but it works on woody kinds of things. Follow the label carefully or email me for more specific instructions, uh, or dig it up. Uh, and if you have a little bit of it, I would dig it up and get just be be done with it and get rid of it. Otherwise, you're going to need to treat those vines with the product. Um, sometimes it's mixed with a little bit of diesel oil, and there are instructions I can send you on that. Uh, but it it uh, the diesel helps it stick to the vine itself. It's like a surfactant in a sense, in that it it helps it stick to the vine. Uh, so it's mixed with the uh, herbicide, uh, and and then. The, the it's sort of painted on. You don't have to spray it on. You you can just use a little foam brush or something to paint it on the vine, dab it on the vine. Uh, but anyway, that's what you got there, Glenn. By the way, Smilax is, uh, I did not know this, uh, but uh, re one of my children got married uh, about a year ago, and uh, I, when I walked into the scene where the reception was going to be, there was Smilax all over the ground. I mean, there, it was like brush inside this beautiful venue. And this guy didn't realize, but that is a really popular decorative item. You know, as you go to a florist to get all kinds of flowers and greens and things, uh, this is something that you purchase, and trust me, for a price. In fact, when I saw that people were selling Smilax, my first thought was, I wonder, I wonder if I could sell Nutsedge and Fire Ants, because that would be great. I could kill two birds with one stone. But seriously, the, they were... It's a very popular item uh, to use for decorations because it is stiff and evergreen and, and it just is a great way to kind of give that almost like an English ivy-like wrapped column or, or whatever you're going after. Uh, always amazed by what people find a market for. Uh, Paul emails, and uh, Paul has an ash tree that looks like three-fourths dead. Um, the Probably the cold got it, and uh, there's a little bit of green on it. But when you get these larger, older trees, and they have that amount of extent, that extent of damage, there's just no fixing it. All the giant, dead, huge limbs, branches are not going to come back to life, of course. And if you prune them back to where there is living tissue, you're left with a really horribly defaced plant. Those wounds are never going to close over. The tree just doesn't have the vigor at that point uh, to cover over that large of a wound in any reasonable amount of time. So you get interior decay. And so really all you're doing is putting off eventually having to get rid of it anyway. I'd have a certified arborist come look at it and remove it. I'm sure that's what they're going to say, but uh, go ahead and have them look at it. Uh, and just get you another tree going. It's a, it's a sad thing to have to lose a tree, but at the same time, 
now if you make bite the bullet and get it done right away you can move over just a little bit or, or wherever you want a tree and put a new nice long-lived tree that has a better future than even a young ash tree would at this point in time uh, and have it taken good care of so I guess that's look into the future that's the best answer putting off the inevitable is just what it is, putting off what is just inevitable. Let's go back to the phones. The number is 845-5689 and talk to Syed. Hello, Syed. How are you, Skip? I'm well, thank you. Thank you very much for taking my call. Yes. Skip, uh, I have uh, this uh, weed that is something that is indestructible, looks like. Uh, it has got a stem and that's a three, four, five. Thin, you know, leaves, if you want to call them, they come out and okay. I keep pulling them and they keep coming. I wish I could tell you the name of it. I don't know that. Okay. But uh, constantly, me... and they, they do have underlying connections in the ground and uh, they are connected to each other. And, okay. and even if you put any wheat killer on it, it, it doesn't affect them, it looks like. Okay. Is, is the the leaves, the way they attach together, is it like they all come out of the same place? Like, uh, okay. like, like almost like a circle of little leaves that are all coming out of the same spot? Or right. it is? Okay. That's yes. probably yes. Virginia creeper. Get out uh, your search engine at some point and do a search for Virginia creeper. And if that looks like what you're seeing, that that's what I'm picturing as I hear your description. Uh, it could also be another weed that we have a lot around here that is, um, oh my gosh, I just went blank on the name, pepper vine, pepper vine. But I don't think it fits the pepper vine's description. So Virginia creeper is one that you would need to use. I mentioned a product with triclopyr uh, that could, rather than spraying it everywhere and getting products on plants you don't want to get them on, uh, I, you could just, essentially you're painting it onto the bottom of that vine as well as some of the leaves but uh, down to the bottoms of the vines and it uh, soaks in and, and translocates down and, and, and kills it. Uh, you're probably only going to get a part of it when you do that, so just kind of stay with it. it, it uh, you know, it's not a one-and-done application. I think that's going to be your best bet. And without seeing the exact setting and what plants it's around and so on, uh, that's my best advice I can, I can think of right now. What's the product again? Uh, a pr look, the ingredient, I like to recommend ingredients rather than brands, uh, but triclopyr, T-R-I-C-L-O-P-Y-R. And it's one that we use for woody weeds and, and more persistent vines like that. It, it's, it's not one that you just spray on uh, other annual perennial weeds in general. Um, yeah, so people have, you know, they have little tree seedlings come up in the, or poison ivy comes up in the fence line because the birds, you know, drop the seeds there, and, and uh, the, it's good for those kinds of things. This is the, the, the most adamant, uh, you know, weed I have come across. I keep pulling them, and then, you know, in just about a week or two, they're back in the same place, and <laughs> yeah. my, my entire energy is being wasted. It's pulling this this super thing. So, well, thank you. I'll try that. Uh, All right. Painting on it will be extra sort of a effort uh, because they're all over the place. But maybe somehow or other, if it can be controlled, I'll, I'll be willing to 
take up this project uh, skip. I, okay. I thank you so much. All right. Well, thank if you, you want to so be extra it. sure, if you want to be extra sure, uh, pick a leaf off, set it on a surface, and take a good, clear picture of it and send it to me, and I'll I'll be happy to do that. Well, I'll I'll certainly do that. I think that probably will be the best thing to do is to let you look at thing and then maybe you will be able to come. All right. Um, remedy for it. Thank you so much. Uh, you have I, a great day. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Syed. I, I appreciate that uh, very much. I appreciate that very much. Uh, so let's see. Let's go back to some of the emails uh, we've got here. Um, Kim had emailed about a live oak tree. It's a, it's a tree that's been in the ground about two years, and it is uh not looking great not a lot of foliage coming out on it and there's a lot of yellowing and falling of the leaves and for some reason that live oak is just not showing the vigor that it really should be showing we're still it, it has been a cool slow spring and so i'm not alarmed just at the fact that it's taken a while to come out but um the old leaves falling off is a normal thing uh, evergreens don't have leaves that live forever. They they cycle their leaves, uh, depending on the evergreen, every year or every two or three years. Pine needles can last, you know, more than a year, and and then but they do eventually fall off, and and so we go through these seasons where leaves are shed. This happens a lot on southern magnolias. People get very alarmed when they start to f drop leaves. And live oaks. Uh, you may have three live oaks on a property or down the street, and one of them just appears to stay evergreen as the new foliage comes on, and another one almost goes bare as it drops the old leaves, and then here comes the new leaves in. There's this sort of gap in between uh, them, not completely but way more so than others and and it's just the i guess it's genetics it's the the site they're growing on but for live oaks to drop leaves as the new growth comes on in spring is an is a normal thing that's not something to grow uh, alarmed about the fact that the plant itself this is a two years in the ground live oak is is not showing the vigor that others in the yard might be that would be something to be concerned about and uh, i would just uh you know, dig around the base, look and see if there's anything that has been strangling the trunk, uh, maybe got buried by soil or mulch at planting uh, and, and is, you know, restricting it there. It It's too young for that to probably be the cause, but I would just check that. Uh, make sure, of course, if the plant was very root-bound coming out of the pot, like just had roots wrapping all around that pot and they weren't cut, at planting, they should always be cut. Never plant a tree with a circling root. Cut it in three or four places if you have to to make sure you get them all cut. But um, then that would be a tree that would sit there and would just lack vigor. And it would almost be as if it were, it were very much like if it were still just in the pot. Like if you'd stuck the whole pot and the tree in the ground, that's kind of how the tree is because the roots are wound up. They don't unwind underground. And so when you water, your soil may be moist, but that little root ball pumps the water out real quick, and now the tree's in drought stress, even though the yard itself has moist soil. Uh, so that is a possibility, Kim. I, I don't know. You can't really go down and check for circling roots very practically right now, uh, but that may be something to consider. And then just have an arborist come look at it. Uh, they may have some thoughts or ideas, or being on site, they may be able to, to give you a little bit better idea. Um, what uh, what 
may or may not be able to be done uh, for that particular plant. And Robert, thanks for the the, the um, little video of um, of um, uh, woodpeckers uh, working on taking down a tree. I, I, that's that's uh, that's a good slow process. You know, in nature. Nobody goes in and cuts down the old trees of the forest. Uh, woodpeckers and all kinds of different organisms, from insects to microbes to to larger creatures, uh, utilize that plant for food and for um, uh, housing and, and other things. And, and, and it's just part of a good, healthy ecology. Well, in your yard, uh, I don't think you, your neighbor, or the homeowners association wants to a tree to grow so old and rotten that it eventually falls down. Uh, and so we we kind of clean things up a little bit, but in doing so, we you know it has an effect in terms of of birds and and nature and stuff around us. But yep, that's kind of it. He says nature takes care of everything. Something else I would say, and I was thinking about this when when I was talking about um, uh, some of the other questions we've had, is Nate. You got to remember, nature always wins. It, it always wins. You can move into a property. And you can bulldoze and chainsaw and spray and and everything, uh, but ultimately, when you quit holding back the forces of nature, it's going to come in and and it's going to reset things, uh, you know, like they were or like it the future will be according to to no organized plan like we have. Uh, so you never, I think I said this maybe last week, but you don't walk through the forest and suddenly come upon a clearing that has St. Augustine grass. It's all exactly three inches high and, and it all stops at a straight line down the path where we walk. It doesn't crawl across the path. Uh, and the flowers suddenly appear from all over the world, uh, from where they originally were from, and they're organized by color, and uh, they appear in, in a succession of seasons, so it's always beautiful and colorful. That's what we do to a yard, but nature doesn't do that. And so when we go in and, you know, try to fix something up, uh, I think it's great. That's called gardening. That's horticulture. That's what we do. Uh, but at the same time, you just got to realize that the minute you let up, it's going to change and it's going to go back to what it what it was. And in fact, one of the things I enjoy and here I, I'm, I'm getting philosophical. Somebody better call pretty quick. It's uh, 979-845-5689. But I enjoy driving through the countryside, especially during the time when bulbs are blooming. And, and you see these old abandoned farmsteads, homesteads. You know, the house is probably collapsed. The chimney is still standing, although leaning and a few bricks falling off. And it, it, everything has just gone back. But in the middle of nowhere, there's this row of bulbs where there used to be a walkway, and they're popping up. And there's probably a, still an old-time pear tree still living out there on the property. Uh, but you can see the remnants of where we went in and made a garden and then nature uh, working its way back uh, into that. So for whatever that's worth, nature wins. Just remember that. Okay, uh, let's see. We had an email from Beth, and Beth sends a photo of an insect. And this insect is about a half inch long, and it's black and orange, and it looks like a little alligator. So if you can just imagine something that's maybe, oh, I don't know, an eighth of an inch across and a half inch long, and it's got six legs, but uh, kind of like, a, you know, the alligator, the legs are more toward the front, and then uh, there's this long tail going back. That's a lady beetle larva, and that's a good thing to have. And if you have a lady beetle larva, in this case it's on some cruciferous vegetable plants, 
Uh, that means that a lady beetle mama saw some aphids, laid an egg there, and the larva hatched out. And the nice thing about the larva is that they can't fly away. The, the larvae are, they're wingless until they go through the pupal stage and get wings. And so they're a good captive uh, feeder of aphids. They're going to eat um, several hundred aphids as they grow up. And so that's a, that's a good thing. And I would encourage all of you listening that are, that are gardening and that uh, get out and en engage the garden in such a way that you would notice the insects that are out there uh, to learn about what these things are. There are some good apps that can help you. You can send me a photo of insects you see and, and maybe I know the answer to what they are, or maybe I can get an entomologist to help us, uh, and we can we can learn because if everybody knows lady beetles are beneficial in terms of eating things that eat our plants, but uh, do you know what the eggs look like of a lady beetle? They're little yellow, waxy, elongated footballs. When I say little, I mean very tiny. Uh, do you know what the larvae look like? Well, I just described orange and black alligators, about a half inch long when they're getting toward the last of the larval stage. Uh, do you know what the pupa look like? Do you know what the adults look like? And, and as you do that, it helps you make management decisions. And not everything with six legs is, uh, is uh, guilty and deserving of a death sentence with, at the end of a sprayer. Uh, so uh, I think a lot of good bugs get killed because they are guilty of having six legs. And I would encourage all you gardeners to, to do that. And thank you so much, Beth, for that photo because uh, that just gives me a chance to get on a little soapbox for a while about gardening in general. Uh, but that's a, that's a good guy. So go out and shake hands, all six of them with it, and, and uh, thank them for what they're doing out there in your garden. Okay, let's see. Our phone number is 845 5689 and email is garden success at tamu.edu. And let's go to the phones and talk to Ed. Hello, Ed. Hi, Skip. How are uh, you? I sent you a couple of pictures. Okay. Uh, I don't see them. Go ahead and tell okay, me a little I'll bit. I'll describe it. Okay, okay. So I've got sort of three situations of plants that froze back either last year or even this year. Okay. With trees. So one is the fig tree. So it's an old fig tree. It throws back to the ground, but it sent up probably 15 shoots that are okay. now three or four feet high. Okay. I'm, so, I'm sort of inclined to let all the shoots go this year and then just choose one or two for next year. Or So I don't know whether, okay. whether I should cut back a whole bunch of them now and just let one go because they're coming up from different roots in different parts of the old stump. Well, good question. Did, now, was this last week or, or before last week that you sent it? That I sent, no, I sent it about 10 minutes ago. Oh, wow. Okay. To the garden success. Strange that it hasn't come yet. Well, the fig, here's the answer to the fig tree. Um, we here in our climate generally don't have fig trees in the sense of a single trunk with a trunk coming up and then branching into a, what we picture as a tree uh, just because occasionally we do get killed back pretty far and it's hard to keep that structure uh, with developed. We have multi-stemmed fig bushes even though I'll even call them fig trees and uh, depending on the size of the clump the the plant itself it's been in for a number of years you may have you know four to to six different trunks that you keep uh, in the and, and taking all the others out. And you, you kind of space them apart a little bit and let them come okay. on up and do their thing. 
not just a single trunk, but, but a lot of those probably should be removed because they're just going to be crowded and one's going to shade the other one out. Uh, so Great. And I think uh, it, online at the Aggie Horticulture website, uh, there's a publication on figs. It's it's free to look at or download. And I think they talk a little bit about a multi-stem pruning. <clears throat> and if you can look at some diagrams and, and maybe get a little clearer idea of what I'm trying to describe. Great. I'd like to ask you about now a, a citrus tree. So I have a calamondin okay. that froze back, and um, it's put out a lot of shoots right around the base above the graft above the graft okay above the graft and then there's some shoots coming out from below the graft and Mm -hmm. so that's uh trifoliata um probably yeah yeah Yeah. it's trifoliate or or one of the other there's several possible rootstocks but trifoliate is a pretty common one great so um um, for the shoots that are coming out, they're really all much lower to the ground than I'll want the yes. tree to be eventually. Yes. And so I was wondering if I should try to just keep one or two of the shoots going and let yes. one of them become dominant. Yes, or, I would. Okay. And and to the way you do that is you tip the ones that are not going to be dominant. And while it's young and just has a few shoots, those leaves on the ones you tipped are still taking in sunlight, and they're they're helping to strengthen the tree, uh, the one that's untipped will grow the most vigorously by far. And then at the end, you know, as we get well into summer, I would take those, all of them off except the one that's going to be your tree. Oh, that's great. Cause and, I would and that little I tipping. I just taken them off completely. But. Yeah, and Ed, that little tipping is, that's not a, you have to do it that way. You can take them all off now if you want. Uh, and some okay. people would. But that's just a way to kind of hedge a little bit and, because that tree probably has a pretty good root system, and yet here it's just got almost no leaves, and, and the roots need leaves to send them carbohydrates. So we're, we're trying to reduce the shock as much as we can and as it transitions back to a normal balance between top and bottom. That's great information. I have the same situation with an olive tree, and it's got a lot of lower limbs that I yeah. don't want to stay there. Yes. And you, then the top also froze, but I'm hoping that a shoot will come out near the top that I can right. let become dominant. Yeah. Um, without seeing it, it it's kind of hard to say exactly what you should do because it, it's going to come down to aesthetics. But olives like figs can get killed by, by cold here. And uh, I can just remember from decades ago, olives on campus that basically were bushes and shrubs because they would freeze back and come out with multi-stems. Good. Well, okay. I got about six or eight years of good olive crops before this froze, okay. so I'm hoping to get another six or eight years on it. And and you could. And then there's also the possibility of some heroics to protect them the next time we have a freeze that's something more normal than seven degrees. And, and uh, so you... That that's not a bad strategy, and hey, Ed, I'm better get back to the to the other calls oh, yeah. here. For some reason today, uh, somebody left the gate open, so I better <laughs> see what okay. we can do. Okay. Thank you so much for the call, and good luck with those plants. Okay, thank you. Yes, sir. All right, this is uh, Will. How are you doing, Will? Doing well, thank you, Skip. Yes, we want to add a tree to our property. We're not sure what kind yet. Uh, but we don't have time to do it this spring. How late into the fall can we go uh, 
before we should or it's too late so so the best time it is anywhere from about mid-october as long all the way up until spring uh, the the earlier the better so november would be a great time to plant but if you don't get it done until december or january or february that's all fine it's just we the more time you give it from planting until the blazing heat of summer comes, <laughs> the better off the tree's going to be. What about a flowering pear? Uh, is that I'm not a fan of yeah, I'm not a fan of those. When they're young, they're pretty kind of egg-shaped and they have the beautiful white blooms in the spring. Uh, and then as they get older, uh, they they have branch breakage problems, they and they start to be very disfigured. Uh, in some areas of the country, they're very invasive. We we don't seem to have that happen here, so I, th that's not a, so much of a knock on them here. Uh, but uh, I, I just think that maybe you could find something that would give you a much longer-term uh, benefit. Okay, yeah, I, I've noticed the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> that's probably a good idea. Yeah, I always hate to plant a tree, and then about the time you should be sitting there and enjoying it, you're, you're heading out with a chainsaw to start over with another tree. <laughs> uh, I, I see what you mean. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. Well, thank you for the call. Okay. Our number is 845-5689, and we're going to go back and talk to John. Hey, John. Uh, I've got a uh, bamboo question. I, we have a, a clumping bamboo, a uh, couple of trees right together, uh, or grasses, I guess. Mm -hmm. And we've had there. It's been there five years or so, and all of a sudden this spring, we've got some uh, shoots coming up out of the ground as much as so. Uh, maybe five yards away from that bamboo uh, what's happened to us I mean is, is clumping no more no longer clumping or what well it doesn't change from you said five feet away five yards I mean it's five it, yards away yeah I mean that's it, not and, a, and there's actually like four or five of them that have come up there they're one of them's probably four feet tall all of a sudden and the others are about a foot tall oh my gosh well, that's not a bam that's not a clumping bamboo. Uh, either they sold you something that wasn't what it was purported to be, uh, or it also had. <laughs> you know, sometimes there's more than one plant in a pot. I guess that's a possibility. Um, I'm I'm kind of grabbing at straws trying to figure out why it is what it is, but um, that that's not a clumping bamboo, and I think it's time to uh, jump on that with both feet <laughs> because I, I, I've got a sharpshooter to take care of it. They are enthusiastic. Uh, you can plant running bamboos if you have underground barrier walls that and there's ways that that can be done but at quite expense and time. But uh, anyway, the, the the runners are just you'll regret it. So Yeah, I, I'll take care of them. I, I just wondered if there was I mean that has happened why it happened but maybe you're right maybe there was another bamboo in that it's so it's funny because it's been so many years that it yeah nice clumping little yeah i i think i'd give it another chance i think i'd dig that up and just watch and see I, i'm trying to think of some other reason other than there's a running bamboo among that uh to to see because bamboo is a plant that takes a while to get established and once it does it's a wonderful plant plant the clumpers that don't don't spread mm -hmm. yeah. so they don't spread fast um that i you know i hate to just say the whole plant's a bad plant 
without a little more evidence of what's going on there. Okay, I'll just I'll just chop I'll just dig those uh, sprouts up and see yeah. if I can take care of it. Well, good luck with it. Okay, thank you, Skip. Uh, yes, sir. Thank you. Our phone number is eight four five. 5689 and 845-5689. I'm going to see how many emails I can get through uh, in what the time we have left. Uh, I've had a question come from Kimberly about in December they planted a Texas sage shrubs and no new growth or greenery. Um, do they need to come back? And if I would bend the twigs and see if they're supple to some degree, that's a somewhat brittle plant anyway. But uh, see if you think it's still alive or if it's dry and dead out on the shoots and things. I would give it a little more time. Uh, I don't think, we did not have a winter that would have killed that particular plant, uh, Kimberly. And and so, uh, in fact, I don't know that there is a winter here that kills that plant. Uh, but uh, I would give it a little more time and, and then before I go back t uh, to replace them. Um, yeah, that's... That's uh, I'm assuming that you're talking about Cenizo, uh, when you say the Texas sage, and and so that it's kind of a grayish uh, leaf. Some of them are a little on the greenish side, but most of them are a silvery gray, uh, and those uh, uh, need really good drainage. That would be the only other thing is if it's in a low spot, clay soil, water stands, no oxygen in the roots, that that would have killed it, and that would be maybe an exception uh, to that. Had another email. Uh, uh, came in uh, from Donna about when I was talking about uh, with Jackson I was talking about uh, weeds around plants and shrubs and using uh, newspaper and mulch and will it work with liriope? Liriope has such a strength to it coming up out of the ground that I don't think uh, it's just going to lift that paper up and some people say use cardboard but I don't really have time to go into why today but in flower beds and things I wouldn't use cardboard. Uh, I would. I, I think that with the liriope, if it's a problem, I would just dig it out, or I would, if you want to spray it and kill it to get rid of it, that would be fine. Or, uh, boy, I tell you, there's probably a lot of gardeners that that would like to have some uh, for planting and making a new, maybe bordering a path in their yard, and they'd come, if it's put a ad out there and say, hey, free to dig your own, see what see what happens if you want to go through that. But uh, anyway. Uh, I don't think the paper would work uh, for that one. Let's go back to the phones now and talk to Francis. Hello, Francis. Hey, Skip. How are you hey. doing today? I'm well, thank Great. you. Great. Good. Um, I wanted to ask you a question. I garden on a very small scale of uh, containers and maybe very small uh, raised beds because it's just hard to pick up and lug all that dirt. It's very heavy. Yes. So I try to do things on a small scale. Mm -hmm. but And so I generally buy the you know, uh, raised bed mm, soil or the potting soil. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to ask you, I know that, you know, those are probably not the best that you, you know, but I'm sure there's some that are better than others. Um, and I don't know if you you could recommend a, a, pot, a bag soil that would be better than, you know, one over the other. But I also wanted to ask, can can you tell me if there is one single ingredient that comes to your mind that I can add to bad soil that would really help my plants be healthy and grow beautifully. Okay. Well, I'm going to give it a quick shot here, Francis. Um, the, the best ingredient you can add to any soil is compost because it helps okay. a sand hold water and nutrients and it helps the clay drain better. 
Uh, and so that, that would be one thing. Now, compost doesn't fix every soil problem, but if you had to say, okay, you can only add one thing, I would add compost. It adds nutrients also as it decomposes over time. Uh, so that, when you say bad soil, it's kind of like, well, w bad in what way? Uh, it, it may need to be built up for better drainage. It may need the compost for better internal uh, drainage and better um, structure uh, to the particles. As, as the compost breaks down, it, it helps that clay not be such a heavy, tight clay that, that doesn't drain internally very well. Uh, so I, I think that's probably the best. As far as uh, bags of soil, it is just impossible to advise you on that. I, you know, I will often just kind of like look at what's in a bag. Sometimes I'll let you open it up and put a piece of tape uh -huh. over it or something. And some, yeah. some things that are sold, it's just like wood chips that have been left to sit around long enough to turn black. And they call it compost, and it's not. Uh, uh -huh. Other things are, are really nice. You can look at them and the quality of it. And there's everything from the potting soils, which is usually made with peat moss. Uh, now there's uh, uh, coconut core that's in some and uh, perlite or vermiculite and so on, all the way up to the garden soil. Some of them even say topsoil, which I would venture is often not really topsoil. Um, so uh, you, you just kind of have to look at it. And <laughs> I know that's a, a non-scientific answer, uh, but uh, there's just too many brands and, and too yeah. many, even compost. Uh, how composted is it? How well screened is it? What was the blend of nutrients that made it or ingredients that made it? Because that affects the quality of the product that comes out the the other end of the process. And so, um, yeah, I wish it was, so I is, wish it was more is compost, specific. Is compost something I can buy in a bag too? Or do I have to go out to these big soil places and bring my truck well you can buy them in a bag but if you go out to twin oaks landfill um, uh -huh. they sell it bagged also i would call oh, them first okay. make sure they have some on hand but you can okay. buy their compost bagged or you can take a flatbed out there or pick up and, and get it that way there are other soil okay. yards in town that will sell you bed mixes and various blends and and uh -huh. it may have some madisonville mushroom compost mixed with some type of a soil that they're mixing it okay. with uh, okay. it, it, it could have a lot of different blends and ingredients, uh -huh. uh, you know, or so. I, okay. I, and, um, the previous lady that you were talking to, you said, I caught the end of it. You said something about, I think she wanted to like get rid of some weeds and she wanted to put some cardboard down to do that. Okay. I think that's what she said. So I wanted to know, I've got a little bitty raised bed, going to be a raised bed garden made out of cinder blocks. Of uh -huh. course, you know, it, the ground is there and it's got weeds and everything. Yes. Would would you think I could put cardboard down there? Or would newspaper be better to kill those weeds? Okay, in the beds, I would use newspaper because it's more soft and supple to lay, and it stays okay. down. Cardboard, when it gets dry, tends to curl up, and so your uh -huh. mulch goes sliding down the cardboard, and you have little edges of cardboard uh -huh. sticking up. So in a okay. bed, and then in a it doesn't decompose very fast, and the newspaper over ah. a course of a season will break down. Because you don't okay. want all this ugly paper blowing all over. So I sure. use the newspaper in the beds, cover it with mulch. And then if you want to use cardboard, oh. do it in the walkways. Or if you've got like a utility area where you just want to have a bunch of wood chip mulch down over an area I that see. you're walking on or dragging the trash okay. cans across or something, put your cardboard down there and overlap it and then throw a mulch on mm -hmm. top of it there. So it, it, it has a use okay. there. If you use newspaper in that situation, yes, every time you walk across it, you're just ripping holes and, and you're, not uh -huh. get, you're not getting anywhere. Okay, well, that makes sense. 
Well, thank you so much for your advice, Skip. All right, Catherine. Thank you for the call. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. And uh, let's see. Let's go back. By the way, our phone number, I think we have time for another call. Oh, no, we got another call. Sorry. Uh, that was Francis. This is Catherine. <laughs> Hi, Catherine. Sorry about that. <laughs> I was going to say two Catherines in a row. You almost got um, relegated to already talk to. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do call you fairly regularly. Okay. So I hope I don't bore you. No. Uh, um, I just, if I can give some advice, uh, this year I bought the mushroom compost with the hope that it would have minimal or no weeds. Uh -huh. So far, so good. I think it's worked out great. And I can also speak for the land, uh, Twin Oaks that they really do sell you mature compost. You know, it's not the wood chips, so to speak. Okay, yes. so here's my question. Uh, this is my first year that I'm growing stock, one of my favorite flowers. Okay. Uh, no experience. What I'm seeing happen is after the blooms, I'm, a, I'm confident these are seed pods. Mm -hmm. They're narrow and long. Well, they're tiny, but shaped like a cigar. Okay. And they grow on the lower parts that have already bloomed. I'm wondering whether to encourage more blooms, can I prune below the seed pods? Will that stalk make another bloom? I don't think so. I've never tried that. So I'm not going to be uh, absolute about it. Um, what you described as a, as a stock seed pod doesn't sound like a stock seed pod to me, and I'm trying to figure out. They, the odd thing is they stand up straight or tall. They come out of a stalk, let's say, on a lower position, and then they shoot up vertically. So they're standing erect below the blossom, and multiple ones. Okay. Well, I, I think I better have you send me um, a a photo to to be able to do think anything somewhat accurate okay. accurate with trying to answer. Um, I, I'm just not sure. But if it's if it's truly a stock plant and it's growing on that, it and it's after the flowers fall, then that is the seed pod. And you could save those if you want. Um, most of the time when you buy flowers, you're buying a hybrid most right. of the time. And so what you will get when you plant those seed is a variation from what the mother plant looked like. So if you liked that stock because of the height of the plant or the color of the bloom, stock usually comes in kind of a pink, light blue, uh, white, pastel, not, I don't know if pastel right. is the right color, but you know what I'm talking about. Uh, That's it, what I go for in my garden. I plant okay. by color. Okay. Well, if you if you go with the seed now, then number one, you're starting it from seed, which is a little bit of a challenge. A lot of these flower bedding plants we use are a little bit of a challenge to grow from seed. Uh, Tell me about delphinium. Yes. Yeah, I've never had success growing them from seed. Okay. Well, uh, you're talking about the perennial delphinium, not larkspur, right? You're not talking not about larkspur. Not larkspur. Okay. I've never, even the delphiniums I buy, already full-grown plants, they don't come back. I don't consider them perennial. That they're not dependably perennial here. And we may have some listeners that have been pulling that off and making it work. But in general, I would not expect delphiniums to be a dependable perennial in this area. Um, and so 
yeah, the, the, they're beautiful plants. They're very large bloom stalks. And oh, I love it. If you go out to the gardens, by the way, here's a plug for the gardens on campus. Uh, boy, they have beautiful duffeliums out there right now. But uh, you might want to go enjoy theirs and grow something else at your house. <laughs> uh, well, I have good luck with larkspur, so okay. I settle for that. There you go. There so you I'll go. send you a picture of these flocks. Yeah. I'm sorry, stock. It always comes out wrong. Yeah. Stock. Stock. And I'll ask a real quick one. You can be short and sweet. Okay. I bought a Duranta from okay. a naturalist sale, I guess, a year ago. Okay. Um found out it's poisonous, found out that it is virulent on making seed pods. You have to catch them before they open. And I'm wondering, again, never grew one, is it possible to prune it? Because I see that they get really large. A Duranta does not, should not generally have seed pods. Okay? Now, the, the poison... Not the vertical one. Apparently, Duranta... I don't know, Ixora or, you know, I'm not big on the genus okay. species variety thing. All right. But these are a, a huge ground cover that make big leaves and are some people call it devil's trumpet. Yeah. Are the flowers purplish white? White, yeah. Okay. Well, that's... it hadn't bloomed yet, but okay. yeah. I've got about a minute, so I'm going to talk fast. Uh, that's a Brugman, that's a, is a Duranta, you're right. And it is poisonous, and the seed pods do have viable seed, and you can regrow from those if you want. If you don't, you got to get those po after the blooms are done. You know, it's not pretty anymore, so you can just you can just cut the pods off if you don't want to keep them, or if you don't want those seeds sticking around. So it sounds like a lot of trouble, and I don't have a lot of space. So okay, well I might be giving it away. Okay, well that's yeah, that's fine. You want one? No. I do not. Thank you. <laughs> Thank that you. tells me I'll be... Now, after as nice as I've been to you, you're trying to pawn a, a, a Duranta off on me. Is that what's happening here? I think so. Okay. <laughs> hey. Somebody's got to take it. That's right. No. Uh, that's what compost bins are for, Catherine. <laughs> Thank okay. you. Thank you so much Bye. for the call. I appreciate that very much. Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, uh, folks, if you emailed today and didn't get an answer, I will be back in the studio again next Thursday, and we'll try to dive in uh, and do that uh, as, as best I can. Uh, we did add uh, some other good questions, so we look forward to talking to you again next Thursday. We're here every week at that 12 to 1 hour, and I hope you tell your friends about the show. If they're interested in gardening or just like to listen uh, to people talk about it, we're here to do that. You've been listening to Garden Success with Texas A&M AgriLife Extension horticulturist Skip Richter. Join us again next week as Skip discusses your questions about gardening and landscaping in the Brazos Valley. Garden Success is brought to you in part by the Arbor Gate, featuring unusual plants, artisan-created decorative pieces, and a constantly changing array of items that bring beauty, comfort, and even flavor to the home and garden. Arbor Gate, 15635 FM 2920, Tomball, Texas, 281-351-8851 or arborgate.com.
Garden Success is also brought to you by The Farm Patch, 3519 South College Avenue in Bryan, 979-822-7209.